morning, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee with Friends. So before we get started, I'd like to talk a little bit about what the Misfit Amish have accomplished this year, this last year in 2022. Um, number one, we began data collection on the research study that I co-wrote with Dr. Tara Mitchell. We completed data collection and we completed data analysis. Reminder that this is a an approved research study that was approved by the Lock Haven University IRB, Institutional Review Board, for those who do not know what that means. Um, I actually got to spend time um, with Chris on their 40th birthday in Lancaster, which was wonderful and amazing. And I hope that we can have more celebrations like that. The next thing is that the Plain People's Podcast, The Misfit Amish, and A Better Way raised enough money to print over 500 copies of how to report booklets for Amish. And we actually took 500 copies of those booklets to an Amish Abuse Awareness meeting and disseminated over 200 of those booklets at that meeting, among with among other resources that we also printed and, and disseminated there. We left them a total of 500 booklets. They continued disseminating them after, like we were after that meeting and other various meetings. And in March, I met with other advocates and three board members from Dove's Nest in regards to Dr. Harder's harmful information that she puts out in regards to Amish survivors. In April, I spoke at a seminar with Dr. Tara Mitchell on child abuse prevention in Lancaster County, PA. And we also completed our plain dressing clothing project. That was a joint project with myself, Hope Ann Dick from A Better Way and Ruth Ann. This was displayed at the seminar in Lancaster County, PA. And I wrote and obtained signatures for an open letter to Dr. Jeanette Harder, and we made it public. After Sins of the Amish was released in May, I got to spend time with Jasper, and that was, quite frankly, wonderful. We got to go up in the mountains and have a good time. We recorded and published our second season of Plain Rainbows, which tells the stories of LGBTQ Amish and Anabaptists. We completed four different Zoom trainings for domestic violence agencies in multiple states. And I spent time with um, Stephanie from Into Account and Jay from, also from Into Account. Into Account, A Better Way, and the Misfit Amish published a joint report on Dr. Harder in July. An advisory board member served as a consultant on a research study in PA about rural populations. We compiled and mailed packets of information regarding Dr. Jeanette Harder to Goshen and Bluffton College. And we started doing lives with Lori in regards to Amish and Mennonite issues. Chris, one of our advisory board members, spoke at a local event in PA regarding the Anabaptist experiences. I traveled to DC to speak at the Conference on Rights and Religious Forums. It was amazing. I wrote and published a book, and we started formatting our research 
for submission to publish it. We also held multiple fundraisers for underprivileged, where we reached the fundraiser goals and people were able to better navigate their transition from an Anabaptist life to a non-Anabaptist life. We provided support for survivors. And at the end of the day, we couldn't have done this without all of you. All of the Patreon subscribers who have sat here and, and provided monetary support because you are supporting the goals of the Misfit Amish. You have provided financial support that has allowed me to be able to pay for some of this travel expenses out of my own pocket. And for that, I can never repay you because it means so much to be able to support people in the way that they need to be supported. And with that being said, let's start with talking about resolutions. Let me bring our guest. Hi, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Well, I'm not making any resolutions, so there is that. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I'm not either. Like, I'd, I guess we had talked about it a little bit before the show. I have a little bit of mixed feelings over it, but I think the whole idea of, uh, the beginning of a year having to do all these things is a little bit silly. I guess we set goals for ourselves throughout the, I do anyways, throughout the year. So it's one now, day is you, a little bit ridiculous to pin everything down on. Do you reevaluate those goals? I do. Now What's that's it? the thing. It's normally at the end of the year, whenever it's winter and I'm stuck inside anyway and have to deal with myself, you know, completely anyways at that point. So, what what is the difference between like an idea or like a goal like what do you mean when you set a goal are you are you writing down goals are you what what are you doing how I do you set a goal i don't know that i i should probably start writing down my goals and and having them i i keep more of a mental note though typically of where i you know where i am right now and where i want to be and where I, uh, that's my brother. Hey. Hi. Um, <laughs> but yeah, of, uh, where I have, where I've come from, how far I've come. I guess an important part about setting goals too, is like, it's, it's important to look back and also look at the things that you, you have done right. And it like how far you've come from where you used to be. And it, well, that can affect the way that you're, you're setting things going forward. So for me, um, I do write down goals. I actually have a whole notebook filled of like, you know, projects, specific projects and like where I'm at and like reaching those projects or like where we're at and reaching the goals of those projects. Yeah. Like I write down goals. I've, I've always done this. Like, for example, when I was um, going to college and I was taking a psychology class, I actually, um, I wrote, um, a paper on like my I, I wrote a whole thing about like my five and ten year goals right and my ten year goal was to buy a house which is ironically hilarious because by the time I turned 30 which was not 10 years later I bought a house <laughs> like yeah because sometimes I think for me I find that when I write it down 
it's something tangible. It's something I can see. It's something I can go back to. I can readjust it. I can I can make other plans to meet those goals. I guess I guess I say that I don't write my goals down, but I like I do. They're just scattered notes. You know what I mean? I'm not good at getting. Actual... You don't have like the whole picture put in like one document, but you right. have like you write down like this idea and this idea. Yeah. And this idea. Yeah. yeah. Like that's. Yeah. yeah. And that's OK, too. But ultimately, I'm not making any New Year's goals because. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Sue here. I think that it is really ridiculous to pin it all on like one day. What does one day have to do with making a whole new goal yeah. or a resolution? Or like, and, and often, like, what I've observed is like people make all these New Year's resolutions of like, you know, well, I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And then they find themselves like being really stressed out because they're putting like specific demands on themselves that are oftentimes unrealistic. So, how do you set realistic goals for yourself? I, I think that takes learning patience with yourself to, to be able to do that. Like for me, it did. I can't because you're going to mess up. You're going to have things that, that come along. That's this is the big issue I have with like the symbolism and AA and stuff like that is because it, it that chip means so much to some people that as soon as something happens, just the slight mess up, then it's just that's all that gets focused on then it's all of those years you that's why i won't say you know that's why i won't keep track of when i quit smoking last i'm not going to i don't it's that's not me now so that's fine i don't need to focus on that i'll yeah. focus going forward instead so it becomes is are are you saying that it becomes all encompassing yeah like it kind yeah. of becomes their identity yeah exactly cuz i mean like we are so much more than like one adverse event. Right. Yeah. We really are like all of us, all of you listening. We are so much more than one adverse event. And the other thing is, is sometimes we learn best by doing. I and go I ahead. Gonna, I was going to say that we can hold ourselves accountable for mess ups without beating ourselves up. Like, I, I think that's an important thing that I had to learn along the way. And like the, these things that we're talking about aren't helpful with that. <laughs> so how do you hold yourself accountable without beating yourself up? Want me to go first? Go ahead. <laughs> Ooh. Oops, my bad. Uh, so as far as like going back to what we were talking about, for me, how how I feel like, you know, is better for me to hold myself accountable without beating myself up is like, yes, it happened. I, I did mess up. I did just do something that isn't in alignment with my ethics and values. Now that I better understand, I was given new information. Now I'm going to change my actions in the future. But I can't sit here and tell myself I'm a terrible person for not knowing these things. Right. I can't sit here and tell myself I deserve bad things because I did not know better. 
But when you start thinking about, you know, Maya Angelou saying, like, when you know better, you do better. Like, when people do know better, they tend to do better. And why is that? Because they've had access to information that allows them to do better. We can't do better. When we've been browbeat to believe that, you know, for example, let me let me just give you a classic one. When we've been browbeat to believe that talking about something means that you're unforgiving. And, and then we talk about it. Do we sit there and we beat ourselves up for talking about it? And does it actually mean that we're unforgiving? Because to me, it doesn't. Talking about an adverse event does not mean that you haven't forgiven the person. It has nothing to do with forgiveness. Talking about an adverse event is oftentimes done to raise awareness because in order to solve a problem, we have to actually name the problem first. We can't solve a problem that doesn't exist and the problem doesn't exist until we name it. So how are we kinder to ourselves? How do we do that? How do we navigate that in our lives after we escape all of this? How do you do that? Uh, there's a few different things that I've had to <laughs> had to do for that. I mean, for for one, like whenever you, whenever we come to think, when if I can go back a little bit here, uh, whenever it comes to like those those times that I'm messing up and everything, I have to, I've had to learn to, to have patience with myself a lot, uh, and, and understanding. And I've noticed that like a lot of the issues that I struggled with were things that, that the, the damage that was done, the trauma that I'd been through and everything has, caused me to be stunted in a way almost like a child and I've had to be there for myself the same way that I would be for a child and in that sense like if you've been beaten down over and over again about these these flaws about yourself or these things that you didn't do right for the the person saying that you weren't um you weren't good enough or whatever uh just, you know, you, you have to be that parent that you didn't have in that sense. You have to be that parent for yourself and you have to be patient with yourself and you have to be kind with yourself. And some of that comes from, um, we had talked about self-affirmations um, right before. And that <clears throat> that's a, a very good way, I think, of, of doing it. Um, as, as well as, I don't know if these were self-affirmations or not, the ones that I had, um, that I'd mentioned, I believe those are called something else, but I can't, I can't think of what it is, but it's just, um, like self-affirmations, I consider the kind of the positive traits and stuff and focusing on those things about yourself that you do like. And on, on that note, you, you can focus on those things and still say that you need, well, you could improve these things some. And... The other thing is, is learning gentleness with yourself. 
and you're absolutely right about self-affirmations and reparenting yourself. We were never yeah. intended to reparent ourselves. That was never the way that it was meant to be. And when you have suffered from so much betrayal from people that were supposed to be there inherently, both like what, what society tells us, what people tell us um, in like mental health professions, what people tell us in pastoral roles, like what people tell us in the ministry. Like we are told our parents are like, you know, they're our safety net. As children, they are our safety net. And when you suffer from that betrayal of like your parents blaming you for the abuse that you experienced that was preached from the pulpit, you know, that takes a lot of learning and being open to growth to be able to navigate that and make your life make sense after that. And when you practice affirmations and you practice gentleness and you practice kindness to yourself and you practice the ability to learn, like celebrate the ability to learn new things, because that's how we grow as that's how we evolve as humanity. We evolve like that by by learning, by being curious, by by experiencing new things and by figuring things out for ourselves. Like I myself practice affirmations. I actually use an app on my phone that sends me daily affirmations, by the way. And I have these wonderful cards. Okay. Should we talk about the cards? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they're great. They're called like sweet <laughs> affirmations, sweet ass affirmations. <laughs> let's let's just go there so like for example like i drew this card and it says i have the best fucking life ever and on the back of it it says you are alive if that's not enough to make you raging ecstatic then what is you live in a world full of unlimited abundance and opportunity you have magical senses to interact with your experience and you decide how you want to view it all wire your brain to focus on the positives and you will experience positives make time with your optimistic side and you will pop out optimistic babies to surround you for the rest of your life <laughs> i like your I mean, deck better than mine i i've just got this <laughs> i mean like i'm just saying like have a sense of humor about it too like sometimes yeah. a sense of humor it really is a it's a coping skill oh yeah it, it really is <laughs> Yeah, like, you've got to laugh about about these things. <laughs> I mean, like, you got to find the things to laugh. You got to find the good stuff in life, too. Because you know what? There are good things in life. Yeah. And when we're down in the pits, it is really hard to see those things. And sometimes we need to allow ourselves to feel the bad, too. I'm not saying, like, don't pretend like it never happened. I'm saying that maybe it's possible for the two to coexist side by side. Maybe right. you can have good things and you still had all these adverse experiences. Just, yeah. just maybe. It's just a thought. Maybe things aren't black and white. <laughs> oh, oh, do tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. Help me. I really liked that idea too. Uh, my brother did start doing that, the dry erase boards around the house. And uh, I think that's a good way of doing that too. Kind of, you could write yourself affirmations on those things and kind of keep them up to 
along with your tasks or whatever, even, you know, that you have for the day or, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? What is your life purpose? Why are you here? And when you understand that sometimes bad things can can exist right alongside good things, and you accept that, it can really give you a sense of, like, I can figure out what to do with my life. Right. But it can really be devastating in the moment. It really can. When you yeah. realize that, because, like, for, for me, like, and, and I have to ask you this because for me, like, it was very much a black and white. Like, if you were if you were in the church, then this is your goals and this is where you need to be and blah, 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 blah. And if you escaped the church or you went out into the world, you were a runaway, which means like you're a runaway, right? And, and, and you're, you're of the world. You're not like... There's not really much hope for your soul, right? right? And so there's this like black and white thinking. But in actuality, like when I realized that like how is this that the people that are out in the world that are showing me more kindness and compassion and empathy and support and providing access to resources to help me navigate my life in a way that made sense to me like how is that like um i the the it's almost like that's what they were scared of to begin with huh you know like like the the amount of betrayal I felt by my church yeah. community and by my family was so big. So how does, has that affected you in any way? Oh yeah. And like, it's still just talking about it. Sometimes I still, you still have those. I don't know if you, you experience this too. Maybe I imagine you do, but you still have, no matter what you do, there is still this thing in the back of your head going, you don't talk about this. You can't talk about this. What are you doing talking about this? I hear the bishop's voice. Yeah. I literally hear the bishop's voice. <laughs> and I have concluded and resolved that despite hearing that voice, I'm still going to speak. Right. Because you know what? Just because I was born with a vagina doesn't mean that my voice isn't valid. <laughs> Thank you. That is the logical conclusion that I have come to. Yeah. After exposure to much more information. That's the like, same. Just because I don't fit in the box that they created, that they said right. I fit in, doesn't mean that I'm any less valid. Right. Because when you start understanding humanity and you start understanding human rights, if every human is valid and every human deserves human rights then why do we not get to have a voice? And why do we not get to speak? Right. And who gets to decide that? So when I say take back your power, take back your voice. I believe all of you can do that. Always speak. Sometimes your voice is all you have. That's right. Even if your voice shakes, even if your voice trembles, always speak. But with that being said, 
Now that we've talked about not having New Year's resolutions, let's talk about some of the the goals. Because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like I, I do run an organization and I want to continue to set goals that mean something to all of us that work with the organization and and we can set those goals that mean something to us. Ooh, and did I mention earlier that BJ has created so much beautiful art for the Misfit Amish? God, it's just amazing because it's like one of those things like art is something we don't really have a lot of in, in the traditional sense, but we have very specific art. And so BJ's art is very meaningful to me. And I'm, I'm just like in awe sometimes of some of the things she comes up with. And it means so much just to have that. Um, but other things that we want to continue doing is we want to continue providing um, trainings to professionals who come in contact with Amish survivors. We want to continue with formatting our research and submitting it for publication. Hopefully we can get to that before the end of 2023, at least submitting it. We don't know if it'll be published in that journal that we have selected, but we're going to work towards it, right? Uh and part of what I'm doing is like really setting a, an achievable goal. And when we talk about setting achievable goals, it's like you have a plan. Is it achievable? You have to evaluate how much time do I have to dev uh, devote to this project? Do I have the mental capacity to spend this amount of time on it? Do I have the mental capacity to spend 20 hours a month on this research project? Or do I only have the time to spend, you know, two hours a month on this research? And, you know, how much work am I going to get done on this project? So what is a reasonable, achievable goal for that? And that's where I talk about setting goals. And so if I go through this year and I see that six months down the road, I'm not going to meet the goal of submitting it for publication by December 2023. I'm going to reevaluate and I'm going to say, okay, what is more achievable? Right. Yeah, because th those things change throughout the year. You might end up, you know, you might end up at the beginning of the year having right x amount of time to be able to deal with these things but then things in your personal life come up to where it doesn't you don't have that amount of time anymore you right. you're having to exert those resources somewhere else and it's right. not reasonable for you to continue having that same goal with that in mind or that not in that time frame anyways you can you can allow yourself some room with that those things and it it, it doesn't have to be the end of the you world know. that you've failed or something you know you haven't failed it's just you it's not reasonable the expectations you have aren't reasonable for those things so, so set yourself reasonable expectations yeah and furthermore okay maybe i'm terrible but i gotta say this maybe just maybe if you are a survivor who has like experienced church abuse and you've seen like your your abuser with somebody in the church and the church extended all of this grace towards the abuser maybe show yourself that grace that the church showed the abuser and and this may sound ridiculous but truthfully you deserve that same amount of grace and more 
Yeah. More. Like, you you are worthy of that. I promise you, you're worthy of that. But anyways, it kind of made me laugh to say that. And I don't know why. Probably because I'm inappropriate. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I have long said this. I want churches to extend the same or more grace to the survivors of their crimes that they do to the criminals within their benches. Yeah. within their pews within like come on you can do that obviously we see you doing it for the criminals all the time so you are capable of extending grace so where is your grace i i'd really like to ask that but regardless i think that's all i got on like new year's same. Are we are we ready for the real fun? Yes, yes. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we? Let's search this for the just a way provide for each ministry that we have. We pray for our missionaries. We pray especially for those churches that are still dealing with the hurricane results. Pray for this uh, missionary couple that the Shields know in Puerto Rico, and it's just devastating there. We just pray. For I just want to point out. That a lot of times people use thoughts and prayers as like a weapon. And it's like this glorified thing where they're like, oh, I can tap myself on the shoulder. I did something good for those people oh, yeah. that are suffering. So really kind of is upsetting to me when people say thoughts and prayers. Pray for those yeah. folks and just uh, pray for that missionary and his family as he tries to be a blessing there through this very difficult time. Well, what's just funny give us a, about a good rest of service too. now, Jesus, I pray. Amen. I mean, they're they're praying for all of these people that they claim that their God is in control of everything. So what does that say about these people that are going through these devastating things that they're. What, well, why didn't your God choose to help them? Yeah, why, did, why did your God choose to fucking do this to them? You say that he's in control, that he's wrote all all of this is already written. Well. I'd really like to understand that myself. That's a really valid point. I well, will warn you, like, we might want to skip through the singing, because this might be just, this is... <laughs> okay, let's see how the singing goes. <coughs> oh. Thou heathens! <laughs> Are we doing something wrong, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> this is just taking it too far we just don't know i just i just don't know if i can listen to this this just sounds like something for fearish <laughs> misleading okay this this music you know Satan wants that, you to have music. Satan, the owner of the piano? <laughs> it's always Satan on the music. <laughs> we just can't do the music. His word shall avail you, we promise. They are harmonizing. <laughs> we don't 
no, that is not pleasing to the Lord. Do you guys have to sing out of tune to <laughs> to not harmonize? Well, and everybody purpose? should be singing, not just a group of people. That is not pleasing to the Lord. We should all lift our voices in glory to the God of the highest. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Believe and all will be well. We've heard it all now. I think we're good. We don't need to watch anymore, right? I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but where was that when I was being raped? Right? That's the that's the difficult questions they don't want to answer. It's uh, then suddenly it goes into the muddy waters of uh god has some plan oh it's the divine plan well maybe yeah. the divine plan is i will expose what you did to me maybe that's the divine plan i suggest a new divine plan i'm i'm okay if he was watching which by the way some one of our listeners commented he yeah. was watching and i'm just gonna say if he was watching isn't that considered voyeurism and at that point, when did it have yeah. been child porn? Yeah. Let's. Um, yep. Okay. So is this like preaching now? Yeah. They're well, they'll, they'll do a little bit more bullshitting. And then like, it's probably a couple more minutes in when you see the pastor up the pulpit and he'll. There this? it is. Yep. All right. Let's see what preaching we have today. Oh, yeah. Huh? Chip sold. Yeah, that's right. Chip bought some and different ones. Who'd you sell your stuff to, guy? Oh, they're, well, they're your still, dad. It's their church family talk, oh. talking about selling. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. These guys bought cool. Who, who's Larry? Oh, Larry bought some. Cool. Jarrett Racing. Yeah. It's good. What'd you buy? The, the cow? Oh, okay. Good deal. And then how your 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 cow was you sell the cow? Why are we talking about buying a cow and a hog in right? the preaching with right? the congregation members? Like this is I'm, what I'm they sorry. do with it. Yeah. What? <clears throat> that isn't you know, is it really like I mean, like if ministry is appointed by God and their their preaching is akin to them being the mouthpiece of God. Does God approve of capitalism? <laughs> like, I, I'm just asking. I'm trying to understand what God he's worshiping. Okay? Like, I'd really yeah. like to understand that. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. No, no. That's As a dairy cow. Gotcha. Okay. They did they did well. I saw pictures and different things and everybody did good. So that's that's glad it's over. Parents? Yeah. <laughs> so it's over. All right. Ephesians chapter six this, we this morning. We're continuing off our, our kind of a mini series. I, I didn't know it was going I didn't know how long it would take, but some of these uh, I want to give time to each piece of the armor that we, we need to be putting on. And uh and so armor, I guess Mary. now it's gonna take us a few more weeks to get through uh, all of this, but as we think about this lesson, this message this morning, we're going to be talking about the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Now I know, look, Ron and are sitting there, there looking past me up there with all this technology. <laughs> See that? Man, oh man, I've come a long way. 
I didn't know how to turn a computer on. And, uh, uh, but BJ's got me trained. He's all got me going on here. So bottom line is we're going to look today about the shield of faith. Now, this is an important piece of the armor. Uh, protection is is very important of our life. How many of you lock your doors at night? Anybody? Hopefully you do. Uh, well, you know, we sometimes, hopefully, if you okay, but why you got to lock your doors? Yeah, you're being protected by an all powerful. Yeah, what about way. that armor of God? Omnipotent. Why are you? You have the armor of that? God. You just said you got the yeah. armor of God. So why you locking your doors? <laughs> I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. You, you probably wore your seatbelt. Uh, on the way here, try to protect yourself as best you could. Why, why uh, some some may choose to do other things as far as maybe as we see on, you know, in the world today, some decide to carry uh, carry uh, weapons and that type of thing. Whatever we do, we do to, for protection. Uh, it's common knowledge that there are dangers in this world today. Uh, there's dangers. But as we've talked about before, we're not talking about those type of this. We're putting on the whole armor of God because we have an enemy. It's not an enemy we can see necessarily. Uh, it's Satan and he knows things. He's fiery darts of the wicked one. He tries to, to attack us in our Christian life as we're trying to serve him. And so as we think about protection, we need, we need spiritually to be protected. And we need that protection. That's why God has told us, as we said, looked at verse 11 of chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God. We need to put it on. Something we need to do every day. You don't just do it once a week. You know, just just pick a day to lock your doors. Which day on days you leave? That's silly. You need to do it every day to protect your family at night. You lock your doors every night. Every day you get up, we need to put on the whole armor of God. So we want to look now at the fourth piece of the armor, and this piece is a little different. This piece is different in the fact that uh, this is not something you put on. This is something you'd carry with you, okay? We're looking at the fourth piece as we get here. Uh, look at verse uh, verse 15, actually verse 16. Above all, above all, taking the shield of faith. So it doesn't say above all, put on the shield of faith. That'd be hard to do. You know, put on a shield. You take. Okay. So where I went wrong, I, I just figured it out. This is where I went wrong. I didn't take the shield of faith. No. I didn't take the shield of faith. I mean, I was behind my locked bedroom door, but you know, I didn't take the shield of faith. Yeah. That's that's where it all went wrong. Oh, oh, one of my commenters says, so what about you, Mary, behind your locked bedroom door? And yet it still didn't yeah. help. Yeah. Victim blaming at its best. <laughs> yep. Thank you. That is exactly what that is. So how can a survivor in that congregation stand forward and say, I was abused yeah. behind the locked doors? And also, let me also point this out. Most of the people that perpetuate sexual assault and sexual abuse are known to their victims they are not strangers necessarily it is a small percentage of people that do not know their abuser that sexually abuses them so how does that affect all the people sitting in these pews of this church right and you saw the opening of where he's he's making everyone feel like family 
you uh, you know we know this person down here he's he's selling cows over at the ffa over and da 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 and it's all of this very welcoming shit to try to lure people if they've got new people in to it's the structure of it it's all just terrible the way that it it unfolds yeah so they have goals in how they're like they they're very sophisticated in how they lure people in with this promise of a church family with this promise of safety with this promise of absolution like if you do these things then you're going to be safe you're going to be going to heaven the world's world's scary outside why do we right why do we lock our doors we're yeah, right, need, and and they fail to recognize the behind you, closed doors. What do you the, need? What do you need armor for, Mary? Do you see people around you wearing armor every day? To no, why? Why do? You, why would you need armor? You know, and, they don't go into that, right? They don't no. want to talk about that. Why do you need armor? And then usually the abuser has been plotting and scheming for years from one of our other listeners. Thank you so much. Yes. Usually it's it's a plot and, and they manipulate the people around them to believe that they would never do such a thing. And it's very effective in closed insular communities because there's such a lack of access to other information. And because of this like sophisticated version of like, this is our church home. This is safety. And, you know, like, here's a question. There's a whole list of like, you were independent fundamentalist Baptists, right? Right. Okay. So there's this whole list of like Baptist um, who were committing sexual crimes. How many of these people in this congregation are committing sexual crimes that we're not talking about. Right. It truly makes sense. And so this isn't put on. This is, this is taken with us. We must reach out, take hold, and then we need to learn how to use this piece of armor. You know, it's, it's like anything else. If you don't know how to use it, it's not much good to you. And the, the shield of faith is like that. We need to learn how to use our faith. We need, so we need to understand the on. importance of faith in our if daily you, life. You have to use your armor. You have so, to, if so, you don't use it, it don't work. So even though I was behind a closed bedroom door, at the end of the day, I did not take a hold of my shield of faith. I know where it oh all went God. wrong. That's what this is. Yeah. I did not take a hold of my shield of faith, and therefore it didn't work. I didn't do it right. It was all my fault. Yeah. Should have been Ooh. wearing it every day just in case. That's, uh, because it helps us, as we said, there to stand. Say what? So it should should have been holding that thing every day, just in case, <laughs> just in case something. I don't. You know what I mean? It's so such a such an idiotic metaphor. Something that they they don't even think out. No, it's yeah. Where was the armor for the adopted kids that guy molested right in that very church? I don't know if he had molested them or not. He got caught with child porn on his phone. Oh, 
Oh, that one. And he had, yeah, he had uh, kids that were adopted and stuff too, that were in and out of there. Like they were, what do they call that? Uh, I guess there was like a kid from overseas that they had, they were. Um, International adoption? Or? Yeah. Fostering. 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 I think they were fostering a kid or something, but yeah, he had adopted kids and stuff too in that house and who who the hell knows you know i don't even know does he but talk i know that's I, I know that stuff did make the news and it did that is what he got charged for was that uh wow yeah where was the armor because yeah where was the armor and against the wiles of the devil so as we think about that we're going to talk about a few things about the about the shield this morning and I've got some pictures up here. I hope I think it'll help us to understand a little bit more about. Wait, we have pictures. <laughs> oh yeah, he's gonna put it up. That's the that's the oh. baptismal pool behind that thing. That he the actual. Uh... Okay, I gotta see these pictures, and then I think I'm done watching this. Right. Shield that the that Paul is describing here, as he's thinking, I believe probably of the Roman soldier, and how those shields help to protect them. And then how to apply that to us spiritually today. Let's pray. We'll get started. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the opportunity to, to look at this passage. It's something that's very important to us. We need to be doing this ourselves every single day to put on the whole armor of God. So we have an enemy. Right? He desires to get us discouraged, defeat us, uh, to get us sidelined from serving. He's, he's said that same sentence like 20 times. Why are we talking about the Roman soldiers in a war? <laughs> like, well, we just pray to help us to put on the why? of God. Today we learn about the shield of faith. Now we need to learn to use it, to have it with us each day. Well, I just pray this be a very practical message, something we can apply even today as we go out these doors. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. First of all, we think about the, the inspection of the shield. The inspection of the shield. We think about the inspection of shield, the shield. The, to inspect the shield, we need to know what type of shield it was. Again, I think Paul had envisioned in his mind, again, he's Roman. Uh, he, I think he envisioned the soldier, the Roman soldier, and what he would have, that shield of faith, as he's looking at that. And so the first thing we need to know is the construction of the shield. Now, there were different types of shields. You know, different types of biblical shields. You're going to find different things come up. What I'm I'm sorry. What even is this? Because again, he's just being repetitively saying that if you put this shield on and if you do this shield right, so basically, I'm just not doing it right. I'm not doing it right. That's it. So explain to me how an abuse survivor is supposed to be attending this church and finding some way to make sense of their life after they have been devastated by abuse. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had, I grew up with my dad physically being violent to my mom. Where, you know, what, was I, was I not doing the fucking shield thing right? Brian fucking B, was I not, was I not taking up my armor well enough? Like, you can go fuck himself. Like, you were a kid. Yeah. It's not your fault. It is not your fault. And so, like, I think you're right that we won't be able to see the pictures. <laughs> but, 
I mean, like, I just want to, again, I'm, I'm going to take this I, off. I did have the picture somewhere. I had He had a printout for everybody, too, on this thing. I remember oh this specific fucking thing. I, I only ran across this on their Facebook page that, that I'd shared with you. But, yeah, I used to have that in one of the Bibles, and I might have burned it by now. But it was... <laughs> Oh yeah. my god. Like I just you were children listening to this experiencing domestic violence yeah. which is adverse effects in childhood. They're adverse childhood experiences. And so you're given this message that if you put on your armor of, of God appropriately. This wouldn't be happening. So what if, like, it happened? Did people reach out to the ministry for support? How would the ministry respond to that? I don't know. Because the thing is, like, you know, these are things that you didn't talk about. These are things that you didn't um, discuss because it was embarrassing for your family and things of that nature. It, like everybody was so would, uh, you know, bullshit. The, the congregation would all, you know, talk before these services and stuff. And people were nib shitty and yeah, you, you just didn't talk about these things. So then how do you navigate that as an adult? How do you make sense of your life after that? Yeah. Um, like, go ahead. For me, I've had to, well, I had to abandon the fucking armor of faith because it wasn't doing shit for me. Um, Faith never did anything except for keep me from questioning things. I I had to take up things like skepticism rather than than uh, trust and 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 faith and and in something that's unproven. Uh, for me, moving forward meant finding better tools to be using in my life that didn't put me in such vulnerable positions as that um and it's certainly in on you know it's not me blaming myself for these fucking things like they they'd have you do well would you say that part of that sermon and that theology and again like bad theology right um like it's it's horrific right but would you say that part of it did you ever feel like part of it is like you as a child were responsible for other people's actions or inactions oh yeah and as yeah. an adult do you find that to be something that you still ascribe to no why not because i know more about things now <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I've, I've had to do a lot of work on myself and, and realize that nobody could do that work for me, that if somebody's going to change me, it had to be me. 
Um, it's uh, why my other uh, my Satanism is or Satan Satanism is uh, Jesus. It's I had to be my own Jesus. There, you know, I didn't have somebody to to come take my burdens away from me. I they are there, and I have to deal with them. I have to be the one. And like we had discussed with kind of being our own parents in these situations of, of having to be there for yourself and, and let yourself know that, that it wasn't your fault, that these things weren't because of you. Mm -hmm. And finding uh, a certain amount of resolve in that itself, that, that, um, that, I'm an adult now and I like I've I've got my my things right here. I don't I don't have to fear being abandoned or destroyed as I can take care of myself. I have flaws like everyone, but I'm working to correct these. Others will not change because I want them to change. And I can be better every day than I was yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Believing that you can be better that you can learn better is also important because if we tell ourselves we cannot learn better, we are literally setting ourselves up for failure because we are telling ourselves we cannot do better than this when in fact we are all capable of growth and we are all capable of doing better. To know better is to do better. Again, let's quote Maya Angelou because that saying has really made a difference in my life. That is like, yeah. That's really powerful. Powerful stuff, Slow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that sermon with me. I mean, I don't even know if you can call it a sermon. I feel like that's a... <laughs> it, Let's uh, blame people for adverse events in their lives. That's right. what I feel like it is. And, and I yeah. don't appreciate that. And I think that churches can do better than that. Yeah. They really can't. I think their God could do better if they if they think that it's you know so almighty and powerful and everything you know. Let's see yeah. it. Let's see if well, I can do something. Let's see you stop these things then. Well, I mean, to be fair, like you know that I've, I've hosted um, Jimmy Hinton, who is a pastor who actually like called. He wrote a book. It's called The Devil Inside, right? I read his book and I had reached out to him and he was a guest on my podcast for, for several things. And then I was a guest on his podcast after I published my book. But one of the things that I've really appreciated about Jimmy is that Jimmy actually won him and his mother reported the sexual abuse of his father. His father was a pastor. His father is in prison. Because they did the right thing. Yeah. Because they did. And and furthermore, like Jimmy's very adamant about like your churches can't be a safe place if you're giving abusers access to more potential victims. So when you start like seeing that kind of shift in like church leaders, like I feel like if we could get more church leaders to do that, then we can have meaningful change. But in the same token, many people don't want to change because to change is uncomfortable. Growth can be really uncomfortable. As long as you're basing your whole system off of faith, 
you're never going anywhere. You're spinning your wheels on that. And it's not, that's, you can insert whatever unreasonable thing that you want and say that you, you're taking that on faith. And yeah. it doesn't have to make sense at that point. Then they get to do, they get to make things not make sense and make it make sense out of faith. But it doesn't make sense. No. But it, it makes sense because if you really think about it, because faith. <laughs> well, I mean, but it doesn't make sense. Right. Like, but even like if you read the Bible, like if yeah. you really like, you know, read the Bible, you, you start like comprehending like all of these things. Like, you know, there are many verses in there that talk about like not harming your children. So like, where is that? I don't know. It gets buried by all of the the killing and shit that's in there, like four hundred and some times, or the the. Yeah, so I mean, ultimately, I want to believe that people can change. I really do. I <laughs> thought like... it was. I thought it was funny too that 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 post that I had. Uh, that Tommy Wren had said something about three hundred and sixty-five times in the Bible, God tells you not to be afraid, and my answer was like. If somebody is telling you 365, if I have to keep, if I have to tell you, Mary, 365 times not to be afraid of me, there is something I'm fucking doing wrong. <laughs> like, I, there are some actions not matching those fucking things, you know? It's, you're. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're abusing somebody 365 times to fucking tell them that they aren't, aren't supposed to be scared of you. Mm-hmm. Because when people show you who they are, whether you consciously recognize it or not, you can tell whether or not their words match their actions. And I'm all fresh out of patience for words not matching actions. I am out of patience. Same. I have none. I have none. Zero. Because you know what? Words not matching actions is also known as manipulation. I just want your words to match your actions when you're telling me that you are doing things for the betterment of our future generations. Your words should match your actions. I don't feel like that's a lot to ask for. No. Um, but with that being said, do you have any parting Words of advice for our listeners? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I don't know what good, good words of parting advice I have in my my mind right now. Other than, um, I would, I would tell you to be, be good to yourselves, um, and if you are going through, um bad times and everything if you are still stuck in a religion or or you're still everybody's at different places in their lives if if you're still in that mindset or whatever um don't think that i'm here just beating up on your god or your religion or or any of that i've been right where you are and um it takes a lot to question those things. Um, 
and I'd I'd ask you not to be afraid, so afraid to question things that you that you just end up clinging to faith your whole life to answer everything for you. Um, there are other other resources that that aren't just the Bible that that everybody relies on, whether they want to admit it or not. And I think we should. Um, I hope that you guys will start taking those things um, a little more seriously rather than just one book. <laughs> well, and I would also say, uh, I, I, I want to say this to our listeners is like, you know, sometimes you just need people to believe in you that you're going to find your way throughout all of the things that you're experiencing, things that I may not know about and I may never know about, but I believe in you. I want you to know that I believe in you. You will find your way. It is not a bad thing to be curious and to access new information. In fact, it can enlighten you and shape your future actions in ways and that you never dreamt of. It can also bring a fulfillment to your life and make sense of your life in ways that you never thought of. And with that, I'd also like to um, thank our our Patreon subscribers one more time for bringing this wonderful episode of Coffee with Friends. And I'd like to thank our listeners for sticking with us. I appreciate all of your comments. I appreciate all of you listening. And I'd like to invite everybody to check out my book, Reflections and Memories of an Amish Misfit. Looks like that. It's on Amazon. You can get it for, on Kindle for $2.99. And furthermore, I will see all of you very soon. Happy New Year.